You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. I only have a few minutes. That's what I feel like on Wednesday nights now. Ecclesiastes chapter number six in your Bibles. Who needs to fill in the blank sheet tonight? All right, one of our ushers down here needs to fill in the blank sheet. You'd think he'd know better. All right, anybody else? I'm just teasing with you, Noel. Anybody else need to fill in the blank sheet? Pen. <clears throat> did you have your coffee tonight? All right, a few of you did. The people that said amen had their coffee, so everyone else was like, no, nah, I'm too exhausted. But it's all right. I don't know how people could drink coffee this late at night. Yeah. We do have, I think we have decaf, don't we? Do you have decaf? All right. There is tea that is correct. There is tea, all right? You can always have tea out there. The best tea is called Peach Tranquility from Starbucks. Just so you know. No caffeine. We don't need that. We run on Jesus, all right? We don't need caffeine. But uh, it's, uh, that, that Peach Tranquility stuff, that's, that's some good stuff there. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter number six, and deal with the first six verses tonight. Hey, please be in prayer for Easter. And when you come to church on Easter, realize that, that how do I say this without, I don't want to sound rude when I say this. It's not about you on Easter. It's not about me either. Uh, the, the goal on Easter is to present the gospel clearly. Say, well, what can I do? You can pray. You can pray while I'm preaching. And be in there and just say, you look around, you see visitors, and just pray for them. Say, that person, Lord, help that person if they're visiting to, to have their heart open to the gospel message. So be in prayer. You can also bring an amen. If I'm saying, Jesus saves, and no one's amening, I wonder, the guests may be thinking, does anybody agree with that? So bring, you know, part of the service, you're singing, you're participating, and, uh, and then afterwards, make sure you find new people and rob them. No, make sure you find new people and greet them. That's what I meant to say. Greet them and uh, let's be a friendly, friendly church. We're known for being friendly, so let's make sure we, we live up to that reputation, okay? Uh, you may have noticed on your prayer bulletin tonight that two, two churches are without a pastor now. Brother Bob Walker, our missionary to uh, Mexico, uh, just passed away. He was just dealing with some kidney issues, I believe it was, and they were talking about treatment and different things they were going to do, and just suddenly he, uh, he took a turn for the worse and passed away. And then, of course, Brother Clint Cavanis, who is a dear friend of ours and has been to our church and spoken here several times, uh, he was about 10 years ago, the doctor said, because he had a heart issue, they said, you probably got five to 10 years left, and uh, he made it 10. But uh, his heart just, he just was sitting in his living room, I think it was, and just his, his just heart stopped working. And uh, just went home to be with, uh, with the Lord in heaven. And uh, 10 years ago, he almost died. And he said, you know, that he, he felt like, as he was about to pass away, he sat in our, our kitchen and told us this, that he felt like he had to fight to stay here. Because the pull to go to heaven, when he was on, really his heart had stopped beating, he said was so strong. And he said after that, when he woke up, uh, when his, his heart stopped working, his wife was beating on his chest to get him to stay alive. This was 10 years ago. And he came back and he said that he has never felt the, the presence and closeness of Jesus like he had at that time. He said, there was a peace and a joy that I cannot even explain to you as I was so close to going home to be with Jesus. 
just, it gives me chill bumps to think about. And uh, he was weeping and he said, but that feeling has, has left more and more as time has went by. Well, now he's there and he's with Jesus, but we'll pray for his family. Of course, one of his daughters, we support his missionary in Taiwan. And that's the Color family, uh, uh, Kelsey Color. Uh, is uh, colors is there but uh, pray for them and miss stephanie that's where she is tonight she was great friends with brother cabinet's daughter so keep them in prayer and thank you for doing that i want you to fill in the blank here we're going to look at the first six verses of ecclesiastes chapter six i want to preach a message entitled everything and nothing everything and nothing let's read the scripture tonight and then we will pray but keeping in mind as we do this that Solomon has formed his thesis statement. In other words, he's, he, this book is presenting a message. His message is, it's all vanity. And the theme that we looked up uh, on Ecclesiastes that we're calling it is the emptiness of life without God. And Solomon says, it's all empty, it's all futile, it's all vain, unless you have God. And uh, so he has a thesis statement. He went out looking for meaning. He was the richest and wisest man to ever live. He went looking for uh, wisdom to see if that's how he could have fulfillment in life. He tried riches and treasure. He tried pleasure. He tried everything. And he started looking in different places to find out, can I find meaning here? And so where did he look? We, we looked at it before. He looked in the palace. Is there meaning here? Is there meaning in the courtroom? Looking at the justice system, in the streets, in the temple, at City Hall. And nothing he saw gave him the satisfaction of, hey, this is worth living for. And so we're in a couple chapters here, like chapter 5 and 4, and, and the next couple chapters as well, where he's kind of just talking about things in topics. And he's dealing with different topics. Last week we saw him deal with money from chapter number five there. And tonight he kind of continues that topic of money and goods, but really with the emphasis on enjoying the things of life that you have, enjoying the goods that you have. So look at this chapter with me as we go through, and then we'll just pray and jump in. Verses one through six, number, chapter six, verse one, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth or lacketh, not, or lacketh nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. So he has everything. Yet God giveth him not the power to eat thereof. But a stranger eats it, eateth it. This is vanity. This is emptiness. This is uh, futility, meaningless. And it is an evil disease. If a man beget an hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. For he cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he hath not seen the sun nor known anything. Uh, this hath more rest than the other. Yea, though he live a thousand years twice told, so two thousand years, yet hath he seen no good. Do not all go to one place? So some tricky, tricky interpretation here or, or a study here. But I'll explain what he's talking about. And I want to just say at the very beginning that there is a topic here that will be discussed that I can understand could be touchy for some people here. He's going to deal with miscarriage. And so I want to be very careful and give you that up front, let you know. We're going to talk about a little bit what he's saying here, but we're going to deal with it gingerly, and, and uh, we'll deal with it appropriately, I should say. But I want to be aware of that as we're going into this text. But let's pray together as we get started. Father, thank you for Scripture. Thank you for the time of prayer tonight. Help our minds to be focused in now on the message you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Would you go through these verses with me again, looking at thinking about everything and nothing? Everything and nothing. Verse 1, there, there's an evil that I have, which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. So something he has noticed that is evil or in his mind wrong, but that's common, that he has seen it several times. Okay, so what is it? What has he seen? Verse 2, this is a hypothetical situation. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing or lacketh nothing for his soul of all that he desireth, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and is an evil disease. So this hypocritical, no, hypothetical, that's the word I'm looking for, this hypothetical person he's talking about, in other words, he doesn't have someone specific in mind, he's saying, I have seen this many times, here's a guy that God has blessed with riches, God has blessed with wealth, he's blessed him with honor, God gave him that, if you'll write this in, yet he cannot enjoy it, he cannot enjoy it, God has given him riches and wealth and honor, He's got money to put food on the table, but man, he can't even eat it. Some, somebody else gets it. And so to him, that's frustrating to Solomon. He calls it an evil disease or a, a grievous affliction. It's something that just is, is you know, that's just, that's, that's the worst thing to look at. That's horrible. Verse number three says, if a man beget an hundred children, poor man, no, I'm kidding, but, uh, and live many years so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good. So first of all, I want you to notice here on your sheet, in Jewish culture, having many kids and a lot of resources was a sign of God's favor. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy especially, and other passages like that, God would bless Israel and, and make even the shoes of their feet not to wear out, things like that and give them riches and things like that as a sign of prosperity that they were obeying. Job was the richest man in the East. And then after, after the end of it all, when he suffered and went through it all, God restored to him even more than he had. It was a sign of God's favor. Now, we don't preach that anymore because that's prosperity gospel and that's not the New Testament. God's favor is not seen upon us when, when we're wealthy, right? Uh, uh, you know, you're not rolling up in Rolls Royce tonight because God's favor is upon me. No, that's not how it works anymore. The Apostle Paul suffered. Uh, uh, John suffered, John the Baptist suffered, men of God, women of God suffered. It's different. But in that day, to have a hundred kids and to have all this, uh, this stuff would be a sign of God's favor. But it says there, and his soul be not filled with good. In other words, even if he had a hundred kids and he had all the goods, but his soul isn't satisfied. In other words, he's not filled with happiness. I got a hundred kids, I got all the resources I could want, but, but, but my soul isn't happy. And Solomon says, then what good is it? So verse 3, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial. Well, what's that talking about? What that means, if you'll write this in, is that he is not honored at death. To leave a body unburied was a sign of, uh, uh, of reproach upon people. In other words, here's a guy who's got a hundred kids... He's got riches and wealth, but when he dies, none of his family even bothers to bury him. They're not mourning for him. They're probably just thinking, who gets their cut? 
Some of the ugliest behavior, I've, most despicable behavior I've ever seen has happened around funerals. <clears throat> where I've had to stand and listen to family members or, or, or watch family members begin to posture against one another and squabble about who gets what. Well, I was closer. I was closer to them. What are you talking about? I should get the house. No, I should get the house. No, I should get the car. Well, I should get the car. No, I should. And this ugliness, and it's almost as if they care more about the things that were left behind than the person that died. And I have seen so many times this, this ugliness of the, the person that they lost versus the money they think they'll gain, the money wins out. The money sometimes wins out, and that's what they're thinking about, and, that's what, and it's an ugly thing. It's not very honorable for the person who died either. And so Solomon is saying here, here's a guy who's got riches, he's got wealth, He's got family uh, that is surrounding him, but when he dies, man, no one even cares. No one buries him. He can't enjoy what he has. So you could say he has everything, but he's got nothing. He has everything, but he's got nothing. Look at the end of verse 3. It says here, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. Now these next few verses are kind of just strange to me. An untimely birth literally means a stillborn baby or a, or a miscarriage. So he says, here's a guy, has all these kids, has all this stuff, but he can't even be happy and satisfied with the things that he has on life. An untimely birth, a miscarried baby, is better than him. Now, now why would he say that? What, what, what are his reasons there? Verse 4 and 5 are still talking about the stillborn baby, not about the man. So when you're looking at verses 4 and 5, this is what he's saying. Uh, it's talking about the untimely birth. For he cometh, this is the untimely birth, he cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness, and his name shall be covered with darkness. What is that saying there? It, it's saying there that he cometh in with vanity, the same word that Solomon said, empty, futile, meaningless. He's saying, uh, you know, the baby comes into this world, but the baby did not come into the world with life. So it's futility in Solomon's mind. In other words, what's the purpose of that? What's the purpose of a baby to come into this world without life? And then he says, and departeth in darkness. In Job chapter 3, verse 16, Job said or that he was wishing he had not been born. He says, or as an, a hidden untimely birth, had, uh, had, uh, I had not been, as infants which never saw the light. So here's... They come in, uh, and they, they leave in darkness. And then it says, and his name shall be covered in darkness. So a lot of times in Hebrew culture, they would not name a miscarried baby. They would not name him. So he's born, with, with, uh, stillborn, and then passes away. Of course, already been passed away and without a name. But can we just pause before we go on and just remember that those babies that are being talked about, I don't think he's trying to talk about them in a crass way. But can we just pause and remember that those babies are with Jesus? Those that have been miscarried, those that have been stillborn, they are with the Lord. And uh, boy, think of what they missed being here. They didn't miss much at all. I'm glad that uh, God cares enough about these children that they're with him. And so we need to remember that every time we read verses like this. Verse 5 says, Moreover, he hath not seen the son. This is again still speaking about the stillborn or the untimely birth, nor known anything. So he didn't see the son, he didn't know anything. This hath more rest than the other. So this untimely birth, 
the man with riches but no satisfaction is worse off in Solomon's mind. Why? Because life is hard. And he says, and here we have all these things in life that we can enjoy, but if we can't even enjoy them, boy, it would have been better not to. There's more rest for someone that's never been born than there is for me or for these people that that go through this because they're not going to have rest. They're going to have a stressful life. They're going to have a, a, uh, have everything, but they're going to have nothing. They're going to have restlessness. Verse 6. Yea, though he live a thousand years twice told. This is the man talking about again. Yet hath he seen no good. Do not all go to one place. The one place that everyone goes to is the grave. The grave, if you'll fill that in. So really some encouraging verses here by Solomon. What in the world? You read some verses in Scripture, and you're like, wow, that's not encouraging at all. But you have to understand that Solomon is coming to the end of man's wisdom. And, he's, and, and, and he has gone through this experiment to say, look, everything that, it, that, that you can live for in this life apart from God ends the same way. It ends in misery, it ends in emptiness, and it ends in the grave. I think about atheists. First of all, I don't believe in atheists. Atheists don't believe in God. I don't believe in atheists. I think some people are just mad at God. But I think everybody knows deep inside that there is a God. I really believe that. And I, you know, and I, I can't get in their mind, but I think people are just angry at God. But you know what atheism leads to? Hopelessness. Meaningless. It, it, life means nothing. Life is hopeless if you're an atheist. Because there's nothing to look forward to. And there's no purpose. We're all just an accident on this earth. But I I thank God that one of the the greatest gifts that God has given us is purpose. Uh, Not just salvation, but, but purpose for life. And so when we go to the grave, we don't just go to the grave. We go to heaven. Amen? Amen. So what's the lesson? Rich people can be poor. Wealthy people can be destitute. In other words, you can have everything and still have nothing. My bank account's full. Doesn't mean you got anything worth living for. There are a lot of people with a, with a big bank account that are miserable. A lot of people in Hollywood that have had a big bank account that took their own life. Why? Because it doesn't add meaning. Pull out your wallet and, and pull out some paper if you got any in there with, with markings on it. Dollar, five dollars, hundred dollars, whatever you got. Million dollars, I don't know. Tithe. But uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, y- y- you pull that out and you look at it. How can we get meaning from that? There's no meaning there. And yet, so we can have all of that and all the things money can buy, but there are things that money cannot buy. And yet you can have everything and still have nothing. Verse 2, look at this. Look if you go to verse 2. It says, A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. He lacks nothing for his soul of anything he wants. But look at verse 3. And it says in the middle there, And his soul be not filled with good. So he can have everything he wants and still not be filled with happiness. He can have everything he wants and not be filled with good things. He can have everything that his soul wants, and yet still his soul is not happy. I mean, can you attest to that? Because I can attest to that, of living outside of God's will for a long time as a teenager. I can attest to getting things and realizing that that didn't satisfy either. 
I want something else. Warren Wearsby said, no one can truly enjoy the gifts of God apart from the God who gives gifts. He also said, this is on your sheet there, enjoyment without God is merely entertainment. And it doesn't satisfy. But enjoyment with God is enrichment and it brings true joy and satisfaction. What's the difference? You can have the same things, but the difference is where you're getting your joy. How many times has Solomon got to say this over and over again to get it through our minds that, that if you're looking at things, anything, to give you joy and happiness and fulfillment, it could be your work, your job, it could be your family, it could be money, it could be your car, your house, whatever, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to last. It's never going to be real because it can all go away and leave you with nothing. It's only through Christ. And look, you can have all those things, but it's only through Christ that you can truly enjoy them because they're his blessings. So everything and nothing. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here as we're getting ready to leave. Number one, you can be rich, but do you have family? You can be rich, but do you have family? In other words, even if you have money and feel like, you, you know, I've got money. Yeah, but, but do you have family? Because even if you have money, but you don't have people that love you, what do you really have? You can have everything and nothing. Verse 3, it talks about the rich man there that lived 100 years, had 100 kids, had all that he wanted, but when he dies, none of those 100 kids even bothered to bury him. Why? Because he wasn't honored by them. It was, I wonder what dad left me. That's mine, I want that. So he had everything, but he didn't even have a family that loved him. Did he really have everything? I'd say no, he did not. You know, family drama is the hardest type of drama. Family issues are the hardest type of issues. But if you're here today, say, well, pastor, this kind of hurts because I don't have the family that loves me. I don't have the, the family that, that knows God. My family is, whatever your situation is, that is why God has given you the family of God. He has blessed you with a bigger family here that will stand out in the lobby and joke with you and drink coffee with you and then go actually pray with you and love you. And that way when you're going through the difficult times and you pick up the phone and you call them, boy, they're there. And then you say, well, that person didn't answer. Well, I got a list of 20 more other family members in the church I can call. So God has given you family. So people that have everything outside our walls but they don't have the, this, and they don't have anything. You better be thankful for what you got at church. Can I say, secondly, you can be rich, but do you have health? All the money in the world can't cure some things. Verse 2, this guy's got everything he could want, but he doesn't have power to eat it. He can't even enjoy it. Imagine being able to afford the, the best meals this world has to offer but not being able to eat them. Can't take it. You're sick. You're stressed out. We got to go, uh, my wife and I went to uh, some of the parks in Utah, and we had to fly into Vegas. I had to do some gambling our way through. And um, just kidding. But uh, we flew in, and, uh, and I, I, like, I, I like 
I like food. I'll just say it that way. I'm a foodie. I like food. And uh, so they had a Gordon Ramsay, I don't know if you that name, Gordon Ramsay restaurant, and they had a Bobby Flay burger restaurant, which we hit up a few times. But anyway, we went through there, and man, like, I couldn't eat at those places very often because I just felt like I had to sell my shoes before I went in there, you know, or something like, am I going to have to wash the dishes in this place? Like, it's pretty expensive stuff. But uh, it was for my 35th birthday. We got to do this. Three years ago, that seems so long. But uh, I remember going and, and just sitting down there and getting a beef Wellington, you know, this famous thing that Gordon Ramsay makes and all this kind of stuff. You know how frustrating it would be to be able to have that type of stuff, but be like, I can't, I can't, I can't have it. Why? Because the stress of all that I have is, is eating me up. It's like I said last week, John Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, who lived on milk and crackers because of the stress of all the things that he owned. So, you, you know, you can have a lot of stuff, but do you have health? You can afford the most comfortable bed in all the world, but can you sleep? I have everything, but, but do you? Because if you, you may have everything, but do you have the health enough to enjoy it? So when we're looking at people in our world and we're seeing they have everything, they may have nothing. They may have nothing, but our perception is they got money. They got people following them. They got people that love them. But do they have health? Do they have family? How many people, I wonder, have had to stop ministry because of their health? That want to keep going for God? Lastly, you can be rich, but do you have time? Do you have time? You can have everything, but yet have nothing if you don't have time to enjoy it. Verse 3 and 6 talk about years. Uh, it says in verse 3 that lives many years. And then in verse number 6 talks about though he live a thousand years twice told. So even if he lived 2,000 years but he can't enjoy what he has, he has it, he has everything, but he's got nothing. You can, you can have all the time in the world, but can you enjoy the things in life? As Christians, we can. You can be rich, but what if your time has run out? I just want, I just hit the lottery and then tomorrow you die. Did you get to enjoy anything? So, say, well, Pastor, what's the thoughts here? Let me give you these three for the next 45 minutes and we'll be dismissed. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Number one, if you have these things, what things? If you've got family, if you have some health, if God has given you time, because these are three things talked about here. A man that had it all but didn't have these. So if you have these things, number one, enjoy them. Enjoy them. God blesses us. And we must remember that Jesus is the source of joy. Jesus is the source of these things. So as you have these things in life... You are to look at them as a blessing from Jesus, not as the things that give you joy. Because if you look at them as the things that give you joy, you can never get rid of them. They're like a magic talisman to you. These things give me joy, so I have to have these things. But if you look at Jesus as the source of joy, when Jesus says, give me that back, okay, no problem. You see the difference? It's subtle, but it's big. So when, when, if, you have, if you have family, enjoy family. Well, my family's not perfect. Join the crowd. And guess what? Your family members are saying that about you. Well, my family's not perfect. You should see the guy that's talking. 
But enjoy, enjoy church. Enjoy that you can go to a Sunday school class. Enjoy Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and, and soul winning and activities. Enjoy what God has given you because you're blessed to have it. I think about this lady who came to church on Sunday. Grew up not going to church. Grew up in Buddhism. Now she's coming to church. What do you think she's going to... I wish I could go back to Buddhism. No, she wants church. And she's going to be excited to be here. Enjoy these things. You have time? God give you time? Enjoy it. God give you health? Some health? Enjoy it while it lasts. It doesn't last forever. Number two, be grateful for them. By the way, you know what? You know what makes me mad is when people just like thank, like thank the universe. I'm just so thankful, you know, that I got this and that. Why don't you say I thank God that I have it? I heard celebrities say things like that, you know, like, well, you know, the universe just blessed me. And I'm like, stop it. it. Drives me nuts. You know, and then and when we're talking about, you know, well, I'm just grateful. Let's not be ashamed to say I'm thankful to Jesus. I'm thankful to God for what he has given me. I'm thankful to God for my family. Yeah, they're a bunch of weirdos. Half of them are in prison. But man, I'm thankful for them. I'm talking about the church members now. No, I'm thankful for my church. They're a bunch of weirdos. But I'm thankful for, I'm thankful that God, I'm thankful for the health God's given me. You may not have the health that you used to have, but you have health. I'm thankful for that. I thank you, God, that I can walk and talk today. I thank you, God, I'm not in the hospital right now. I thank you, God, that I'm able to, to speak and hear and see all of these things. We're grateful to God. If God gave you time, you have time left. I think about Brother Cavanaugh. He got 10 extra years. He got to see grandchildren he never would have saw. He got to walk a daughter down the aisle or two. A lot that he got to see because why? Because God gave him time. Are we thankful? Or are we counting the minutes until something else happens? Well, once I get through that, I'll be happy then. No, be happy now. Be grateful now. You have family, you have health, you have time. Enjoy them. Be grateful. And lastly, make the most of your opportunities with them. Make the most of your opportunities with them. Maybe you have opportunities to witness to family. Maybe opportunities to, to fellowship with family. Maybe you have opportunities to, with, with health that you won't have in 10 years. Maybe you have opportunities with time that you, you won't have later. Make the most of the opportunities. You're not promised tomorrow. Well, I'll invite that person to Easter next year. Can I say by personal experience that may not happen because they may pass away. They may be gone. They may move. You may never hear from them again. Enjoy the things, because look, if you don't have some things, you can have everything, but still feel like you have nothing. So tonight, the last blank on your sheet there as we close, which of these gifts, because they are gifts, has God given you? Are you enjoying what you have? Are you grateful to God for what you have? Are you making the most of your opportunities? Let it not be said of Christians that we have everything and nothing. Because the truth of the matter is, most Christians in history had nothing but had everything. They had no money. Jesus said, I don't even have a place to lay my head tonight. But these Christians may have had nothing, but they had everything because they had Jesus. So let's make sure we're thankful for what God has given us on top of that. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for our time of prayer Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to spend time with one another.